Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. Today's episode comes from Ruby Receptionists. Ruby's live remote receptionists and proprietary technology are your solution to delivering excellent customer service experiences by answering live calls in English or Spanish, transferring calls, taking messages, addressing common questions, or making outbound calls for you. Most importantly, they sound like they're sitting in your office. To learn more, visit callruby.com or better yet, call us at 855 255 Ruby. My guest today is Mike Spinoza. Mike is the CEO of Unleash Technologies, a client-centric team of professionals with a passion for creating, enhancing, and managing award-winning websites and digital experiences. From its humble beginnings, Unleashed is dedicated to re-architecting the way people think about web and hosting. Welcome, Mike. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on. Well, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about Unleashed. Tell me about how you guys got started and, and, and what you do. Absolutely. So we got started in about 2007. And um, the way we got started is I was actually at that time, I was running a side business with my wife and I was having a terrible time getting very, very competent web work done, uh, design work, uh, different things that I needed for my particular small retail business to be successful. So I called my now partner and I said, let's try to put something together. The interesting part about that was if you drew, if you put a pin in a map and you went out five miles in any direction, you know, just a radius and you created a circle, you could have found a hundred different web firms. But what we found was that not many of it were doing very well. And Unleashed Technologies was born from that concept that there was a better way to do this, and there was a way to provide a really consistent professional product. What did you find was the issue with all of those that existed at the time? Well, that's a very interesting question, and I'm going to have to cite something called scaffolding. I'm going to say there was a lot of different issues for a lot of different people. Um, the first was that I found that the model was fundamentally broken on the web, meaning that the way the web was being managed and the way the work was being done didn't really work for what people were asking for. And what I mean by that is, is people were focusing on doing these projects, but if you look at the web, the web is never really done. Really great web experiences, web applications, digital experience platforms, they're constantly evolving. They're constantly growing. They have to keep changing to meet the expectation of the visitor demand. And that wasn't happening. So we constructed and built a brand new model that doesn't focus on projects or time and materials, but that the web is fluid and always in motion. And how do we keep our web presences, our clients' web presences, always moving forward and always meeting those key performance indicators. We call them KPIs. Um, better way to say it for, for the layman's term is goals. Are we always tracking the goal? Mm -hmm. and, uh, taking that methodology has made all the difference for Unleashed Technologies. Now, what retail business were you in with your wife? 
No, you're going to love this. So I am an avid paintball player, and I have been for most of my life. Um, I uh, play competitively still now, We're approaching the age of 40. You know, I, I just go out there with a walker now is the only <laughs> difference from, from before. But um, I had a paintball retail business called Global Domination Paintball, and it was just a fun business, something I did with my wife. But it was incredibly frustrating to spend money and not get the things that I needed as at that time was a very small business, a micro business. You know, Unleashed Technologies has a very different profile and plays in a very different market. But it was really from those experiences that I said that this could be done a lot better. So when you think about the web and web design, development, maintenance, hosting, there's so much there. Really specifically, what does Unleashed provide? What aspect of that does Unleashed provide? Is it is it really hosting that is your primary business or what how why does that go so hosting is not our primary business our primary business is the we build manage maintain enhance the websites uh, hosting is part of what we do so the way i like to say it is we handle everything from the website back so, so from the second you type in you know www. let's say nfl.com the second that that somebody hits enter, you're having an Unleashed Technologies experience. So we handle building building it, designing it, doing the user studies, personas, uh, managing it, adding new features, anything that needs to happen from the website back. Unleashed Technologies are experts at that digital marketing presence. So anything that falls inside that sphere, we're going to handle. Got it. And uh Give me a sense of size, how many employees, if you can share top-line revenue, uh, what geographies you serve. Absolutely. Today, Unleashed Technologies is estimated to finish 2018 out at about $5 million with just under 40 employees. Um, We have a 95% client satisfaction rating and an equally impressive client retention rating. Um, We are um, the number one designer and developer in Baltimore. We are the number one designer and developer in D.C. We are a top five global leader in a platform called Drupal. And we are basically, um, in my opinion, the open source kings of the world. (laughs) If you may say so yourself. Yes, indeed. Uh, Hey, so um, there are lots of companies, as I think about uh, the digital marketplace today, that say they can do all the stuff you do. Right. Um, that uh, probably back in the day when you were looking at the, the landscape, you, you realize the same thing. So if I were a company looking to build, rebuild my web presence from soup to nuts like you provide, why would I choose you guys? Well, I think the first thing you have to realize is we are, as as you have just stated, in a saturated marketplace. So what we have to do is we have to take from two positions here. Three, I'm, mm, I'm going to say two, but I might add one on later, Paul. Just you know, full disclosure on where I'm going with this. But the first thing I would say is is authority matters in the web world, and what I mean is all of those stats that I just gave you are by a company called Clutch.co, which is a non-pay-to-pay, non 
pay-to-play independent resource vessel, like a research vessel. So that is from them researching our clients, talking directly to our clients. The average tenure of a client at Unleashed Technologies is over seven years. That is unheard of in our world, absolutely unheard of. Um, so we always like to say, you know, don't talk about it, be about it, and be able to show that. Now, it's been fortunate we've had that time in business to prove that, but we have established this model that I'm talking about before it was cool, so to speak, and I'm throwing the air quotes in the, you know, the air quotes up there. In 2009, we were founded in 2007. We started this model in 2009, so it's given us a superior position as people start to try to come into the market that we're playing, and they really just want to do this big web work, Paul. They want to do this big project and say, "Ha, we did it. It's done." We don't. The first thing that happens is we come in. They. A competitor will come and they'll do a big initiative and then they'll talk about maintenance and they'll say maintenance is what's next. And they, they show these little tiny plans to people. We don't say that. We say we want to build what we call an MVP. Most people call that the minim minimally viable product. We call it the most valuable product. We want to build build what the best version of what we can with the least amount of features based on the research and the discovery that we've done. And then we want to take or shift all of that big budget and use it ongoing to adjust and match to the KPI. So what's different from us is people talk about being driven by goals. Our goals are really driven. So in the association market, a great KPI is to increase membership by 5% month over month as compared to years previous. That's a very specific goal, Paul. Mm -hmm. It's not most people say to make a user um, a user friendly website or to get higher engagement through uh, through a, a better UX experience. But those aren't tangible goals, Paul. Those aren't things that move the needle for any organization, commercial or otherwise. Right. We come in. We build. We build tangible goals that can be connected by the work that we do. And then we track straight through that the entire time. And it also helps us dictate when we do something and when we don't. So a great example of that is people will ask for things that don't make sense in correlation to the goals that they're trying to meet. Should we do that, Paul? Unleashed Technologies would argue no, we should not. We have three, anywhere from two to four, let's say two to four key performance indicators that we're tracking to. Everything that we should do is in the quest of helping the organization that we're working with hit those goals. So we build we build the initiative, and we don't use the term project at Unleash Technology because a project has a beginning and an end. When I paint my garage, that's a project. You know, when I when I when I assemble the the my kids' furniture for their new desks, that's a project. An initiative is an effort. It's something that we take on and it's continuous and ongoing. So we build the first initiative, which is the framework for what what we're going to use to help constantly meet our objectives and our KPIs, and then we manage it through that entire process. Now, maintenance and all maintenance and these other things are all part of that, but they're an assumed, Paul. They're a given. And so instead of Unleashed Technology being out there just trying to capture revenue from clients, we're always trying to move the needle from them So because then I go from an expense to an asset, mm -hmm. to something that they can't be without. And that's how we have to change the thinking around web and web initiatives and digital experiences and even web applications. So we talk a lot about websites because it's one of the main staples of Unleashed Technologies, but we also work in the web application world as well, helping people 
helping people meet internal business objectives and great automation. So we have those those two sides. We're we're very deep um, in open source and PHP, which allows us to be uh, basically do whatever we need to do for our clients. Well, it sounds like a very disciplined approach, unique approach. You've had great growth in just uh, uh, really 10, 10, 11 years uh, and uh, been awarded Inc. 5000 several years, so a lot of success. Let me take you back, Mike, to understand where all this came from, uh, how you uh, built this um, leadership in yourself. Uh, maybe you learned some of it on the uh, playing paintball. Uh, we'll hear about that. But take me back to even your childhood, your folks, uh, any early lessons learned um, where you might have first recognized that you had this potential? Well, early lessons learned. So I had a, a very different childhood than most people. Um, I entering high school alone, I was, uh, I was only about four ten. I was four foot 10 inches tall. So I had a very, very different experience, um, coming into school and how to manage people and deal with people was a gift, a skill that was refined over many, many years of, in, in my youth. Um, I have always been and have been wired to throw an incredible amount of energy and passion into anything that I'm passionate about. And I'm very focused that way. So if I'm not into something, it's not great. If that makes sense. If I'm into something, it gets 100% of my being. Um, I'll never forget that, you know, it's interesting when we, we look at where I came from and, you know, I graduated college out of Wentworth Institute of Technology. I think I had a 2.5 GPA, Paul. (laughs) Um, School was never my thing, but I was something different. I was always the hardest worker and I was always the applied sciences guy. Um, I always, I always wanted, I've, I've always wanted to, to build and grow wherever I was. There's a really interesting story about how Unleashed Technologies came to be that I haven't shared if you'd be interested in hearing it, Paul. And because I think it had a lot to do with the leadership aspect of things, which was, um, I graduated during the dot-com bust, which is, I'm going to say about 2001, Mm -hmm. uh, with the, the economy folded, I was living in Boston, Massachusetts. The company I was working for had gone belly up, uh, and I was in a bad way. So I had to go home, and I thought I was hot stuff. I had to go home with my tail tucked between the, my legs. You know, uh, I had to go home, uh, kind of get my feet under me again, and I'll never forget that because it was a, it was a rough time. Um, but I found another software job, and I found another software job working for a company called Oxco, where uh, I was really, really thrust very hard into the consulting world. Uh, I had not had a previous experience with direct consulting, but here I was. I was 21 years old, and I was directly on site at the White House building three major systems, the inventory control system, the small business administration system, and um, the time and attendance systems. Um it was interesting while I was working there uh, in building the software, and it was a different time. I was using VB.net, not open source, but it was a different time. The company that I worked for that had like 60 or 80 employees went from 80 to 60, from 60 to 30, from 30 to 15, from 15 to 4. And I quickly realized that it was the owner, me, and two other people. I said, the second this contract's over, Paul, I'm out of here. And sure enough, 
I finished the work and I was released and I had to restart my career again for the second time. And I'm 22, maybe 23. I had to restart again and get back out there. So I decided to leave software and I decided to jump into the IT world of things where if you're a software developer, IT and software development are two very different things. Uh, they are sometimes they're not to 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 the layman, but they're very two different sides of the house. So I ended up I had to reset my entire career, and I ended up as help desk level one at a company called Macro International, where the world now knows it today as ICF, mm-hmm. which is a behemoth, uh, just a monstrous organization. Um, I went there, and I went from level one help desk to right hand to the senior VP in about two years. I went right to the top. I was going to be the youngest vice president in the history of Macro International. This was in 2007. Now, it seems to me that I only correlate major career things or career happenings when there's a major crisis. What happened in 2007? Uh, What happened in 2007? You tell me. The mortgage crisis. That's right. It started the Lehman Brothers. The economy completely crashed. So here I am. And I, I get this word on my promotion. Uh, so so I say, I'm going to be the youngest vice president in history of Macro International. It runs up the board. Remember, this is like a, a 6,000-person organization, just to give you scope. Um, and they come back and they say, Mike, we're, gonna, we're doing it. We're going to make you a vice president. One thing, though, real quick. You're going to have to get your master's. I said, excuse me? And they're like, yes, you're going to have to go and get your master's, and then we're going to give this to you. I was like, that's a, that's a four- to six-year program. And I'm going to have to do it part time. And so I was furious. I went down and I called my now partner, Scott Greenwell. I said, this isn't going to work for me. This is not what I expected. Why don't we get into something? Let's build some websites. So we started with $400, $500 websites. Then we were building 2000 and 10000 and 50000 And then the websites kept getting bigger and bigger. And my partner went full time and I was still working at Macro International. And I, I, I was doing both working more than 80 hours a week and not like saying it, like really working a genuine 80 hours a week or more. And, and uh, I got found in conflict of interest and not for competing with my company, but for my time. And they had noticed a change in me. And this is all happening during t- 2007. And I said, well, I'm going to make the jump. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go from a six-figure salary in my mid to you know semi-late 20s. I'm killing it compared to all of my other friends. you know. And, and I'm going to jump to zero to see if I can make a go of this. Well, my wife worked in the mortgage industry, Paul. So I go in. They tell me I have to make a decision. I have to make it by Friday. I already know what the decision is. I come home, and my wife, we had just bought our first house. Ever and uh, we're recently married, and uh, she tells me that she was laid off. Mm. I was devastated uh, because I didn't particularly enjoy my job at that time, as self-evident. And uh, I was, I my tail was between my legs. It's like, well, we're going to have to. I'm going to have to stay. And I'm going to have to make that decision. And she said no. She said no. I want you to go and do this because I know that whatever happens, we'll figure it out. So I went in. And with zero income to our family and almost no savings, I quit my cushy six-figure job at Macro International and dived into head Unleashed Technologies headfirst. And the rest is history. But from a leadership perspective, that is the lessons and the tribulations, the personal stress um, really helped me understand what I could withstand 
where we were heading and that what a clear vision can where a clear vision can take you. Yeah. Uh, what about your folks? Any lessons learned um, that you can think about from your parents? Yes. Uh, my father is a tremendous inspiration to my life. He is probably, he is my best friend. Um, my father, uh, was a tremendously hard worker and he was also a no nonsense kind of guy. And I really took that through my entire life. One of the stories I like to tell about my father that was always teaching lessons is my father started answering phones at Northrop Grumman and worked his way all the way up in Northrop Grumman. And I'll never forget, I got my first car. And one of the first lessons he taught me was, uh, you know, I gave, we had a down payment. He gave it to me empty. I had to put gas in it. I was driving all around town. I missed my first payment. And what does he do? He takes my car away for a month. Wow. Even though I paid him the next day, but that's, that's <laughs> the kind of guy my dad was, was that he was, and I wasn't mad, I'm not mad at him for it. I was furious with Adam when I was 17, you know, but I, I understood what he was trying to do. He was trying to teach values. And I think that his values are, or I like to believe that his values are very much instilled in me and working hard and doing what you say you're going to do and having integrity. Yeah, um, that tremendous lesson. And uh, I don't know if I'd have the guts to do that. Uh, my daughter just turned 16 a few months ago and is uh, driving around like crazy. If I took that car away, uh, I don't know what would happen. So good for uh, your dad. And that really had an impression on you. Um, can you think of a uh, maybe an unexpected learning from an unexpected source along the way? Unexpected learning from an unexpected source. There is a lot of that. I think one of, I have been blessed. So one of the things that I do very well, Paul, is that um, I'm out there and uh, I always seek out mentors or people that I respect very much that have accomplished significantly more than myself. And um, whether they like it or not, I latch on to them like a leech. And I just sort of, you know, I sort of, you know, I'm happy to buy lunches and I'm happy to forge friendships. And I just sort of really, really, really grow those relationships. But if I had to pick something that stuck, stood out in my mind, it's, um, it's when I first went out and I left macro and we didn't have any money. And a crazy thing happens when you first leave a career in corporate America, you have a loss of identity. And I don't know that everybody understands. I think that'll resonate with some people, but it won't with others is you have an immediate loss of identity. Everything that you were is wiped out. Mm -hmm. Um, and you are your own man, but you don't realize that you've always been your own man, that every day the sun rises and it sets on, on, you know, your personal brand ink and who you are and who you are to other people. And I think that, I think that, um, one of the biggest lessons I had is Scott Ferber from advertising.com. Do you remember advertising.com? I remember the name. Yeah, advertising.com was one of the first large ad, like like Google AdWords kind of systems where it focused on website placement more than anything else, like having ads in different types of properties that were targeted. They sold that business for over $450 million to AOL.com. And I got a chance to sit with this guy and talk about – he just talked about his story and his journey. And it was the first moment that I realized that there's a lot of hardship and struggle that goes into building things. And that, that he was so full of passion and so inspirational. I just remember his, his sage advice, you know, for me was, 
was that there's always a solution to the problem. There's always a solution to the problem. And that echoed in my head for the rest to eternity till now is that no matter whatever I'm dealing with, there's a solution. It may not be the one that I want it, but it's, there is a solution. There is a way through whatever I'm dealing with. And it's within the lens that I look at things that help me decide what's what's going to be positive or negative. Yeah, I think that's a great lesson learned um, from um, obviously a very successful mentor and uh, everybody will resonate with that. I mean, gosh, if we're honest, there's so little that we know when we jump into business and um, then we start reading a few books and we start talking to people. And when you get the opportunity to meet with someone like that and uh, you're right, those lessons will stay with you forever. You know, if we kind of um, fast forward, Mike, to uh, the success that you're having with Unleashed. Uh, tell me about your culture and what makes you special today because uh, you talk a lot about your client retention and client satisfaction. Um, but I think uh, there's something that goes on on the inside in terms of the, the culture that you've built. Um, talk, talk about that a little bit. I'd be happy to, Paul. And I think the best place to start is with our mission and our vision. Every day when people walk in, there's an entire giant orange wall that says our mission is to be the best without excuses or exceptions, accompanied by our vision, which is to be the most premier web and hosting firm in the United States. This is echoed. So one thing I will tell you about our culture is if you walked into this office today and you asked somebody what the mission or the vision was, what our core values were, I'd be stunned if someone wouldn't be able to tell you that. Mm. Every single person knows it through and through. Um, we, The culture here is a culture of accountability. It's a meritocracy, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Because I think that at the end of the day, there's nothing that helps a company move forward and do great things like a collective of people that are all on the same page and that can be trusted and can trust one another. So that is the kind of culture that I foster. Um, there's also a very short rope for any office politics here, which is something that I came from that I said, when I start this business, this will not exist here. And I will do anything to combat that demon, the devil that we will live out loud and we will be honest and full of integrity with each other. And if we have a problem, we'll announce it and we'll say it and we'll resolve it. What we will not do is work in back channels. And so I have had a hyper focus on an open culture that allows for – I think when we talk about open culture in modern, the modern office, it's all about you know just raise a positive energy and, and just doing that. And I think that's all part of it, but it's also not the truth. Like in, in professional services in our world, there's positives and there's negatives. There's happiness and there's sadness. These are things and both need to be equally addressed. And when things go bad is when we tuck things that aren't going well under the rug like a cancer instead of bringing them to the surface and saying them out loud. And I think that that's the thing that gets lost when we talk about open, open and honest and transparent is that those things aren't really happening in a lot of organizations here at any given time. So, you know, developer A may say to developer, B is like, hey, we were supposed to have this done two days ago. Is everything okay? Mm. Are we are we where we need to be right now? Are you able to handle this task? And that developer can answer the other person without being offended here and say, no, I'm really having trouble with it actually. And I'm not getting to where I need to go. I could really use your help. Where, you know, a lot of people in the professional workforce see that as something where their weakness, right? That they that they're not able to do what they need to do. I encourage people to fail and fail frequently. Um, again, that's not rhetoric here. These are, to me, these are things that I hear a lot about 
that people say that they do, but in practicality, they do not. They actually happen here. In order for us to grow the young talent of America, for us to do different things, we have to have an open, transparent, hardworking, failure-driven environment. And so those things um, can be really great sometimes, and they can also be be hard. But if we're all open and honest with each other and we have trust in each other's capabilities, we can get really far. I think that that's what's really driven Unleash Technologies forward with its clients because that goes into our client base. We're very honest with our client base. We'll tell you when everything's great, and we'll also tell you when it's not. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, accountability and discipline, again, built into that culture. And I love the fact that uh, your mission, vision, values are so clear to everyone. Uh, You call your environment colorful as well. So from the standpoint of just making it fun, making it, uh, you know, light, uh, showing people that you care about them in, in the totality of their lives. How do you manage that aspect of the culture? Well, we do a lot of different things. We do happy hours. Actually tomorrow we're all going to see solo, um, a new release. We take the entire staff. When I say colorful, uh, one of the things that I want to be clear is in the interview process, we're very clear that this is not the type of an environment that's Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You know, Mr. Spinoza, Mr. Greenwell, like there's it's it's colorful. People swear they tell off color jokes. And that's the kind of environment I wanted to come from. I came from a bureaucracy. I came from a company with so many people and so many policies and so many rules that encumbered an entire organization from not only being nimble, but providing really great things. So I am very if I can't run my company this way for perpetuity, then I'll cease running my company, if that makes sense, Paul. Mm hmm. I do not want to run another type of organization. I want people to be able to express themselves and be funny and things. And there's always a line, and I'm not challenging the line. But what I'm saying is, is if we hear a, 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 an occasional f bomb or an s word, or that that you know people are willing, they should feel free to laugh and enjoy where they're at. And that's what I mean by a colorful workplace. Yeah, that's nice. Um, well, as you think about where Unleashed is today, what would you say is your biggest challenge? I think our biggest challenge today is twofold, is that we're in what we call the whitewater. And I know as a, as a business person yourself, you're probably pretty familiar with that terminology. But for clarity, the whitewater is where we're no longer a small business, but we're not fully a mid-business yet, like a mid-sized business. So in the whitewater, things have to change, right? Before, you could really wheel and deal and do things. Uh, fast and furious without a lot of process and things like that. So we are constantly growing in the process to growing. So the big thing I would say is in Whitewater, um, when you hit $5 million in professional services, particularly WebWorld, uh, the biggest challenge you have is making sure that you have a functional system that manages all the clients and lives up to the expectations that they've always had when you were small. And that is what we work towards every day. And I think we're doing a really, really great job of that now. Uh, We've really figured out and put a new system in place that allows us to address all of our clients. Um, I think the next biggest challenge is one that you've heard of numerous times, which is finding the right people to get on board. Um, We're always looking for new talent. Uh, I'll make that shameless plug on this podcast that Unleash Technologies is hiring. We could be looking up to 10 to 15 people this year, and we would love to get more people on board. And then, you know, of course, there's always sales and marketing, which is the bigger the beast gets, the more you've got to feed the machine, Paul. Oh, yeah. So, so as we as we learn to feed, learning how to scale that is something 
that uh, we're taking a dive into right now. And I, I think the good news about Unleashed is we're very deliberate. Uh, one of the things that I did when I realized we were growing too much too fast, um, it's a little known fact that you saw that you saw that we made the Inc. 5000 three years in a row. Mm-hmm. I actually limited our growth after that. That's why we've not been back on. And the reason I limited our growth is I said we're going to grow 20% per year at a 20% profit with a 90% client retention rating because that is sustainable and it allows us to keep the high quality of work that people expect from Unleashed Technologies and keeps us the number one developer on the East Coast. If we don't do it that way, we open our brand to risk and, 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 and damage. And, you know, I don't want to learn those lessons. So. Yeah. <clears throat> That's very much of a uh, small giants type philosophy where you want to grow, but you want to control that growth and and not just grow for growth's sake uh, and maintain what's special about the company. Mike, if you think about all the decisions you've had to make as a leader, uh, tell me about a time when you've really been humbled. While at Unleashed or before that? Uh, I think while, yeah, while at the current company. While at the current company. Um, I, you know... I've been humbled several times and I, there's, they're very personal. So I'm trying to think about the best way to word them <laughs> is, um, um, the first one was in, uh, 2013. Um, I had some very serious health issues that had cropped up on me out of nowhere. And, um, uh, I was out of the office. I mean, completely unavailable for more than two to three weeks. And I came back and my team had taken care of everything. They had really stepped up and jumped into those roles, and they showed me that they, I learned something in 2000 or 2013. I learned that that people are so incredibly capable and they're so smart, and that I should be leveraging that and using that because I'm not always the smartest guy in the room, and I in fact wasn't. And since that time, I've found every day that I learn more and more that I am surrounded by people that are so they're so intelligent as compared to myself. And that was a very humbling moment that's really carried through till now. Um, I think that uh, other humbling moments that I've had is when um, just this year we were able to land a couple marquee accounts. And unfortunately, the way our industry works, I am not able to fully express those to you Mm -hmm. right now, podcast. But um, we're talking some of the largest accounts in the world And that was an incredibly humbling moment because I was sitting back in my chair and, you know, these are accounts that usually go to people, to organizations that have four or 500 people, you know, or more. And they're ours. And I said, you can, I just, I just remember sitting back and saying, wow, you can make an impact as a small giant. You can get in the positions where people can see the greatness and the things that you're putting together, that you can make those things visible. And I was humbled that they would choose us. Yeah. That they would give us this opportunity to be great. And I was just, I was blown away by it. Now, as you go along this leadership journey, there's got to be something that you, you think about currently and say, you know what, here's an area that I still need to work on. What might that be? You know, it's funny when we talk about the leadership aspect of things, it's it's very interesting that and I don't mean to derail your question. It's just that one of the things I want to bring up is I've always looked at leadership as an upside down pyramid and I'm at the bottom because my job is to remove obstacles so other people can be successful for the benefit of unleashed technologies. I'm a very old school kind of guy that I believe that the only way great things get done is when my dad when my dad was doing this world, 
you had a number and you worked for Northrop Grumman and everybody worked for the greater good of the brand and you were employee number 66587, you know, I'm being a little sarcastic, but you get where I'm going with it. And then the modern world is very much about pushing your own brand, like your personal brand and who you are. And I felt, I feel like the world, Paul, lands somewhere in the middle in leadership is that we need to celebrate individuals for their successes and what they contribute and let the world hear their voice. But at the same time, we need to understand that we are only powerful collectively and that we were all sons and daughters of Unleashed Technologies. And I have this discussion with every person that starts here. So when you ask me about where I want to grow in leadership and things like that, I want to create a team so powerful that it does not need me. And I'm only I'm a value add. I am not I'm not. I'm not something that is, you know, a main staple. Like if you look at how Unleashed Technologies promotes or does things today, even even this podcast is is a rarity for me because I really want to elevate the brand of Unleashed Technologies and the people. I want when people hear, you know, it, let's say you work for us, Paul, and you told somebody and you said, hey, I work for Unleashed Technologies. People go, oh, wow, what's that like? You know, mm-hmm. that they recognize that brand name that they recognize. And that's that's where I want Unleashed Technologies to go. Yeah. Um, for, but from a leadership perspective, I've always believed that um, you get more power when you take on more responsibility. Responsibility is about making sure that people under your care are successful uh, to the very best of your ability. Um, that I have always believed and will always believe. I, you know, people talk about it being a privilege, not a right. The funny part is, as much as people say that like a like a buzz statement, I don't know that they really deploy it here. Um, I really believe that leadership is sacrifice. My only job is to make sure that the people that I bring on are successful here because their success is all of our collective success. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, so finally, Mike. If uh, you were talking to somebody young, thinking back to your days when you uh, pivoted a couple times, what advice would you give to somebody just starting out in business? Oh, wow. That's a tough one, Paul. That's a tough one. What advice would I give to, to somebody just starting out in business? I would say make sure you love what you're doing. And I would give the advice that was given to me that I think has had such an impact in my life, which is there's always a solution to the problem. Because I think that when it's when you first start a business, the smallest issues feel like the biggest mountains, and they're not. And you just have to get perspective, step back, and say, okay, there's always a solution. What can I do? What can I do? How can I handle this? Um, and that is the, the same advice that was given to me I would pass down. Uh, because starting a business is incredibly painful. Unleashed Technologies was started with $1,000 worth of startup capital. We had no money. I never took a loan and we never had investments, ever. So this is built 100% organically from profit the entire way. So, you know, I know other people have different experiences, but I would tell those people that, you know, I'd be like, right, be ready to put your head down, be ready to work harder than you've ever worked before. And there's always a solution to the problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. I just think it's something we don't talk about enough, which is just the value of bootstrapping and, and the fact that that gives you control over your own destiny. And and uh, I had the same experience uh, early on where uh, we actually tried to get money and nobody would give it to us. So we were sort of forced into that. Uh, but it had such an impact on the business that we built. Um, just wonderful lessons and messages, Mike. Um, I want to just end with these Five quick hit questions, kind of like the association game. Um, just tell me kind of the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, name a leader you look up to. Bill Gates. Ah, good one. Name a great book that influenced your leadership style. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. How about your all-time favorite movie? 
Fight Club. <laughs> Your favorite TV series to binge watch? Mm, I'm going to say Game of Thrones. Great one. And lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know? I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book. That's a really tough one. I'm going to say that uh, I play this really obscure sport called paintball. Yeah. Do you have uh, pock marks all over your body from, from that? Uh, oh, 100%. From, yeah, yes, many, many years doing that. Um, uh, that's great. Well, uh, it's been so nice talking to you, Mike, and, and just listening to your journey and what you've accomplished over these years. And um, you're a great example that we're all just a subject of our experiences, uh, some from very young. Let me share a few of the things that you said that really uh, resonated with me. Um, early on, you talked about how managing people is a skill that's refined over time. And, and so that's good news for everyone that you don't have to be born that way. That is something that you learn. Uh, you talked about your challenge early on, um, one of them being your height that um, gave you this resolve that you said, you know, when you decided to do something, you were always all in, always working the hardest. And, uh, and that really served you well all these years. Uh, the idea that resetting your career is okay. I mean, I think you were still quite young um, and had been through a couple different versions of your career, and, and that's okay going from software business to the IT business. Um, another thing that we can't go without saying is that a supportive spouse really helps. And so when your wife lost her job and and you had this opportunity to leave Macro, you still did it. And she, she helped you uh, make that decision, which was uh, something that we need to be very grateful for. Um, I love the, the fact that one of your early lessons was about responsibility and accountability and how your dad took the car away for a month. Um, latching on to mentors and how important that is um, to learn from other people that have had some level of success more than we have. Uh, I can think of so many that I've benefited from um, and still do um, in my life. Um, that there's hardship and struggle that goes into things. I mean, nothing comes easy. Uh, we have to put our heads down and, and continue to work hard. Uh, I think that you, you're a great example of a company that's successful uh, in great part because you've mastered this combination of culture, meaning employee engagement and accountability, that you're so disciplined about this. You have that open transparency. You encourage those tough conversations uh, so that issues don't fester. Uh, they get resolved um, and you create loyalty both in your employee base, ultimately um, in your customer base. And and finally, the, the, the one lesson that uh, has meant so much to you, which is there's always a solution to the problem. And uh, I think that should uh, make everyone feel comfortable that, that while we may not have the right solution, um, there is always a solution. And that should relax us a little bit as we go through all the challenges that life brings us. So, uh, Mike, thank you for sharing your lessons, continued success with Unleashed. And I know there's lots more to come. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Paul. Have a wonderful day. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time.